But me personally, yes, I enjoy the work. You know, I, I, my first hospital job, I got to rotate through all the areas of the lab. I did microhematology, chemistry, blood bank. So I got to see a little bit of everything. And I immediately decided that that's what I wanted to do for a career. Welcome to the People of Pathology podcast. I'm Dennis Strank. On this podcast, we explore pathology, laboratory medicine, and forensic science. Many new teaching methods have been developed in the past few years, especially as a result of the COVID pandemic. But what about using a podcast as a teaching aid? My guest today is Luis Plaza. Luis is a medical laboratory scientist, and he's the host of Let's Talk Micro. He utilizes this podcast to teach concepts in microbiology, as well as about specific microbes. He also interviews other people working in the field of microbiology, which, as you'll hear, is a field he absolutely loves. All right, here's Luis Plaza. So I know you started as a medical laboratory technician, and I'm curious how you, uh, I, th I think you got involved in this field while you were in the Navy. So I'm curious how you found out about this field and got started in it. That is correct. So like when in the military, at least in, in the Navy, once you pass your basic training, you have what is called an apprenticeship school, which is an A school. And that's what I had at the time, which was pretty much like a medic. And then my enlistment was coming up and I was looking for a job in case I got out that I could do in the civilian sector. You know, a lot of the jobs, they don't, they don't translate well. So then I heard about that the Navy had uh, C schools or certified schools, which are jobs like, you know, like x-ray technician, pharmacy technician. So these are actually jobs that you can, you know, perform on the outside. Always in school, you know, I always like science, I like biology. So then I, I saw the school about the lab. Never thought about it before. You know, you go to the lab, you get your blood drawn. You don't think about what's going on backstage. But it looked very interesting to me. You know, I went to the lab at the hospital that I was working at. I looked at it and decided, okay, this is a good, you know, good school for me. So plus, you know, you got the chance while you were on active duty to actually go to college and get your associate's degree. So that was also a plus, you know, I could have a job once I got out and I could also have an associate's degree. And so I went ahead and completed it. And then I spent my last three years working as a medical laboratory technician in the Navy. You know, that's interesting. And I hear that from actually a lot of people that have lab careers like ours, like they didn't know about that. They didn't hear about these things. And it seems like that was the case for you. And it certainly was for me as well. It definitely, yes, it is. This is one of the challenges of, of this profession. There's, you know, it seems to be a doing a lot better now with a lot of social media and but before it's like you barely hear about this program. And I tell this about when I do interviews and I talk about it on my own podcast, you tend to find out by accident. You either know someone that knows someone that completed this program. And yeah. then some people find out they're already graduated. So they go back to school to do this when you can actually do it, you know, do a bachelor's in medical laboratory science. So a lot of the you know, the students that you get in medical laboratory sciences, most of them, they already have a, another degree. You know, they've been working for years. They got a degree in um, maybe on micro and some other um, science. And then once they hear about this, it's like, oh, they, I didn't know that this was, you know, an option at the time. So they go back and do this. So you, you're starting then as, as a medical laboratory technician. Now, did you did you enjoy it right away or did that take a little bit of time? 
I did enjoy it. I mean, as, as I, it's it was a little bit challenging because the military works a little bit different. And sometimes, you know, maybe some other of the service members, maybe they did it because you had some incentives if you completed the school. So not everyone was in it for the for the science. So, but me personally, yes, I enjoy the work. You know, I, I my first hospital job, I got to rotate through all the areas of the lab. I did micro, hematology, chemistry, blood bank. So I got to see a little bit of everything. And I immediately decided that that's what I wanted to do for a career. So rotating through the different areas of the lab, were, were there, I mean, obviously micro was w what you probably liked the most, but were there other areas that you enjoyed also? I actually enjoyed blood bank a lot. And I think it ties with micro in the sense that I love how involved it is, how you have, to, it's like a mystery, right? You have to find out what blood bank, you want to find out, you know, which antibody the patient has, or so you're doing all this testing, you know, you find out the blood type, here in micro, we try to find out which organism you're doing all, all these tests. So it involves a great deal of knowledge. You know, a lot of, uh, it's a lot of handwork, you know, it's very involved. And that's what I like about it. I do love the theory behind hematology, behind chemistry. I think in my case, what frustrates me a little bit is, for example, in chemistry, the issues that you have when you're dealing with QC and your instruments go down a lot. So sometimes, you know, you can have a really long day just troubleshooting instruments. Whereas in micro, yes, you know, the instruments that we do use to perform IDs, they do go down as well. But you have a lot of manual work and it's just not as instrument oriented, at least in the culture section. I know that micro is evolving more towards a molecular phase, but there's still a lot of manual you know, work involved. See, that's interesting. Everybody that I talk to that works in medical laboratory science like you do, it's either, you know, kind of micro and blood bank are kind of their one and two. And, you know, I'm, I'm more in, I'm, I'm in anatomic paths, so I don't really understand it completely. But there, there is something to that, that those two areas are always the top of the list for most people. Yes, because, you know, like, like I said, yeah, it's, it's very involved. And then either People that don't like micro, everyone says the same. It's about the smell, you know, and say, oh, it always, it always stinks in there in that room. I can get past that. With blood bank, you know, people that don't like blood bank, it's because, of course, you know, it's very making a mistake in this area can have serious repercussions for the patient. So, you know, you don't want to make that mistake, right? So people might be afraid to be put in that position. So that's that's what I, I find out in my, my career, that either... Like you say, you know, blood bankers, they do like micro and vice versa. And then people that work in hematology and chemistry, they don't like micro and, and they don't like blood bank. You then went on to, to get your MLS degree. So why did you decide to, uh, to get this other degree? Well, I always, I definitely, because I enlisted, I was 19 years old. So I had done one year of college prior. And always in one of my goals was to finish school. That was a big deal, especially in my upbringing. And, and I wanted to have that for myself. And granted, you know, it's, it's hard when you're active duty. It's not impossible. You can do, you know, take classes and a lot of service members, you know, complete their degree. But it can take a long time. And that's the reality because, you know, the service, it takes priority. So it's like you can take maybe some one or two classes in your time off. So it gets very difficult. So once I did this MLT degree, 
and I was working on it, and I realized I loved it so much, I started researching and and I found out that I could have a bachelor's degree on this. So then I'm like, okay, you know, that's I get my degree in something that I, I want to do, that I like doing. So that's that's great. So I had already researched programs, and then I found out the one that I wanted to go to, and I moved, you know, before I was actually accepted there. But I didn't think, you know, with my experience and and I had good grades, so I didn't see an issue of me getting in. But that's you know, that's what I did. So I definitely, you know, it's it's great to have a an actual degree on something that you enjoy doing. Yeah, for sure. And in fact, now there's even, you know, there's a master's uh, clinical laboratory science. I think there's a doctorate, I think, of clinical laboratory science as well. Do you have any plans to, to go after those degrees also? That's a great question, uh, Dennis. And, you know, no one has asked it before and only a handful of people actually know this. I did apply to one of these programs. A few years ago, when I started getting on track that I wanted to teach, okay, I started looking at programs and I applied for a doctorate in clinical laboratory science. You know, I did. I actually got an interview and I was excited because, you know, it's just all the requirements, you know, it's like a technologist that has experience in, in areas, you're ACP certified. So I, in my, I thought I checked all the boxes and... And I had the interview, but unfortunately, I did not get in. It was, you know, I was definitely disappointed. And I think that maybe it was because maybe on my interview, I I pointed out that I wanted to do a lot of teaching. So maybe, I don't know, maybe they thought that I could do that with another degree and then maybe save that spot for someone that was more involved in the clinical aspect at the hospital. So I haven't looked at any more programs like that since. And I was sure I was going to get in, and I didn't. But I'm I am currently doing a master's in microbiology, so I'm I'm pursuing that you know graduate track, but I'm just doing it in micro, something that I truly love. Okay, I, I guess that makes sense. Now that um, so it's a master's, so that it's two years then. It's about you know two. You can do it at your own pace. I mean, if you do it like full time, okay. you can do it in. I was told like a year and a half. If you do it, but you know, just I work full time, so it's a little more difficult. So I do one, maybe two classes at a time. So it can take two and a half to three years. I'm already a year into it. So I'm probably looking another year and a half, maybe two at the most. But it's, you know, it's, I'm doing it. It's nice and convenient. It's, it's online. So I can still, you know, work full time where I work at and just maybe adjust my hours a little bit and then take those classes at my own pace. So it, it works out for me. Okay, I like that. Yeah, and you can get a, kind of an advanced degree in something that you, that you really love. Oh, all right, so we're gonna get into uh, your podcast, which is called Let's Talk Micro. But b before that, I know part of the reason that you started it, and we'll get into more of the, the reason, but it was the, uh, the teaching aspect of it. And uh, you've mentioned this already that you're interested in teaching. Where, where did that interest come from? Well. I I found out while I was doing training that I really enjoyed it. I I wanted to, you know, I was training other technologists and I the whole process I found it that I really enjoyed it. I found that I was somewhat good at it because I like to read about, you know, the procedures and get behind the why we do things. So I was, you know, found that that I that I really liked doing it and I found myself in a position 
Well, actually, I work at a teaching hospital, so I got to deal with medical laboratory science students coming and rotating. And for a, for a short period of time, I was actually in charge of them, making sure that making sure that they learn, you know, asking them questions about what they learn on the benches, getting involved in preparing their test. And I found out, you know, that was so, so great. And also training our technologists, you know, to me, it's just, it's so fulfilling when you sit with them, you know, you're discussing the area and then you see them eventually, you know, they're learning and then they, you know, get their own system and then they get proficient in what they're doing. And it's just, it's great. You know, I wasn't in a position where we needed, you know, I was in a shift and then the plan was to say, well, you know, we need to read urine cultures on a rotating basis and we need to read wound cultures on a rotating basis. Well, guess what we had? It was just, I was the only one that knew how to read both. And then I had another person that, that knew how to read urines. So I created a full rotation out of that. You know, it was very time consuming, but I enjoyed the whole experience. So one, at one point in time, I heard through someone said, hey, uh, the person that's teaching micro at the, at the medical laboratory sciences program, they are leaving. So maybe you should look into it. And so I immediately, it was just like one of those things, I immediately shot an email to the director and I say, I was just wondering if, you know, I would like to help with the program. And the director immediately replied, you know, A, since you only have your bachelor's degree, you can only do maybe the laboratory sign. Uh, and then she, you know, she offered me the job. So I wasn't expecting that. And then the moment that I step in front of the students, I realized, hey, you know, this is what I want to do. It is great, you know, showing, you know, imparting that knowledge. And at the same time, you know, it makes me, by teaching, I have to go back, you know, revisit my resources and I stay current and I stay proficient. So I keep that knowledge fresh. Is that part of the reason why you're, you're going after the master's in micro so you can kind of continue your teaching career? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, because it, it is, you, you need a lot of these programs. You need some sort of graduate degree. Um, some yeah. are all the way to the PhD level. From what I see in other programs, maybe a master's is enough, but you do, you know, it just, it's, it's one of those things that, that I wish I could do it right now. You know, I definitely enjoy it. I'm ready to do it, but because I don't have the education yet, I cannot do it. So that's why I decided to pursue this. That way I have, I have my degree and then I have more choices as far as, you know, teaching opportunities. And I imagine, I mean, the students have to catch on to your, I mean, you're, you're obviously passionate about microbiology. And I think that those are the people that make the best teachers because you're excited about the subject. And so it helps to get the students excited about the subject. Do you find that they kind of catch on to that from, from you? Yes, they definitely do get that, that, that from me. I mean, I do invest a lot of time in this, you know, I'm always making sure that if I see if I'm at work and I see an organism or I'm like, oh, this, you know, this looks good. And this is something that I can talk about. So I'm always, you know, looking for that stuff that I can teach them. And definitely, I mean, the ones that really enjoy micro, they definitely will get that from me. And then the ones that don't, they still, at least, you know, they see, oh, you know, he's, he's passionate and he knows you know, what he's talking about. So they do learn, even though micro might not be for them, they feel that 
they get enough from my from my class, from my lab, to do well when they're doing their clinical rotations and when they're doing some sort of bench work. All right, so let's let's get into the podcast then. So like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's called Let's Talk Micro. And you've been doing this for a, a year and a year and a couple of months now, I think. Where did the idea for the podcast come from? Well, the idea actually, you know, it came before I... I always like to talk, you know, literally talk micro to the to my coworkers, and especially if I find someone that's as passionate about it as me, you know, it's a great conversation, and we can get lost in all the details and talking the information. I think it for me it started when when I after I finished my MLS degree, and then in microbiology, at least you know I'm, I work at a huge hospital, so if you wanted to get involved in reading plates you had to do it on first shift. And that was a challenge because at that time, you know, there were a lot of technologies, you know, with 20 plus years working in there. So there was not a lot of room for new techs. And then if you did get there, the training progressed very slowly. And then, so you had this divide, you had this, you know, this technologies with this massive, rich, what they call the old school experience, you know, prior to instruments, they were doing the manual test. And then you have maybe a handful of us, you know, relatively inexperienced. So at that time, you know, I just, I thought maybe I should do like something like some sort of micro club with, with us, you know, the ones that don't know much yet, we can get together, you know, open textbooks, maybe go over organisms just to, you know, get a little bit stronger in what we do. But then, you know, I, I got on first shift, you know, started learning, then I started progressing a little bit in my career and that... I never did that, but then a year, a change ago, I definitely, you know, that, that was still in my mind. And I'm like, you know what? I want to talk to people. I want to f let them know the information, you know, the things that I have learned, you know, where the resources are, because mm -hmm. it's, that's what I find in my career. Sometimes, you know, techs either, they don't get that, um, that confidence a lot of times, you know, they, and with micro, if you second guess yourself, if you don't have enough confidence, you can create a lot of work. You know, it's a, always a like to tell, you know, micro is not like the other areas where you have one sample, you run it, you get a result relatively within a few hours for most tests. Here, everything's about a day. So if you miss something, it costs you a day, maybe two. And for me, you get that confidence from knowing the information having enough resources where you, you know, you feel good on the decision that you're making. So, and I, I kind of felt like I lacked that. I didn't get that from others, you know, above me in my career. So I decided, you know what, the things that I have learned, uh, I'm just going to put them out there. I'm going to talk about the organisms. So I decided to go with this that way, both technologists or micro students or medical laboratory science students, they can learn from this and have access to this information. This is the People of Pathology podcast with our guest, Luis Plaza. We'll be right back. LabVine invites you to their Laboratory Transformation Seasonal School to help laboratory professionals gear up for the future of healthcare. This is a three-day online event taking place August 29th through the 31st. Day one focuses on change, transformation, and culture. Day two on staff optimization and day three on implementation and change management. I'll be speaking at this event as well as a few other people who you have heard 
on this podcast. You can register for free for Laboratory Transformation Seasonal School by following the link in the show notes. Here at the People of Pathology podcast, we're passionate about giving leaders in healthcare and pathology the spotlight. And this is why I'm so excited to tell you about the AGBT Precision Health Conference, which is taking place September 8th through the 10th in San Diego, California. AGBT is bringing together today's global leaders and innovators in genome biology and technology to discuss the future of precision medicine. The agenda includes an impressive number of speakers who are all successful in their own right. These are voices like Angie Music, director of the All of Us Research Program, and Yuan Ashley, director at Stanford University, who are leading conversations at the event. If you're looking to make an impact on genomic science, visit agbt.org to reserve your spot at the AGBT Precision Health Conference today or follow the link in the show notes. Now back to Luis Plaza on the People of Pathology podcast. So once you had the idea to, to do the podcast, how long did it take for you to publish the first episode? It took about maybe, I will say, two, two to three months. Because at first I was, okay. you know, I was busy with the teaching, I was working, and then I started looking into how to do a podcast. And then I started seeing all these terms and I'm like, oh, you know, RSS feed and and this <laughs> yeah. and that and cover art and... And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm too busy. I'm just going to keep going. And then I finally sat down. And I'm like, OK, you know, it's just not it doesn't look difficult. And, and, you know, it tells you you have several providers out there where you can create your RSS feed and put your episodes. I talked to my wife about it and she, you know, she has a, a cousin that, you know, he's an artist. So, you know, we sat down and she's like, you know, we started putting ideas on paper and then he drew the logo and and put it on for me and so after that you know it's just the the recording you know i did a little bit of research about microphones and i found one that i liked and uh, but then one of the challenges was that i found out you know it's it's one thing when you're talking to someone and then when you're sitting in front of a microphone by yourself recording something you start that you first of all you know hearing yourself back it's just that was something a complete, you know, new, ex different experience, and then you realize, oh my goodness, you know, it's like I, I say you know too much, or I do um too much, or maybe I should drink some water, you know, I even hear my throat. So mm -hmm. all the getting in that, in that pace is just, you know, it took a little bit, but then finally by May everything was ready, and then I just published the introduction and the first episode. Yeah, I, I, I think I can relate to that entire story. I went through all of that as well. All right. And, and now as, as far as the format for for Let's Talk Micro. Now, sometimes you do uh, interviews like like we're doing here today. And sometimes it's just you teaching a concept or talking about a particular microbe. And I'm curious why you wanted to do those. It's because it's really two different formats, why you chose to do it, it two different ways. And then like, what do you like about each of those types of formats? Okay, well, um, as the show has evolved, I've, you know, I wanted to concentrate a lot of, um, on teaching the organisms and couple that with things that I have seen. For example, you have a hard time isolating an organism. And I have seen it on this, on this job. Like you try to, you know, you spend one or two or three days trying to isolate it, but then it keeps getting contaminated or it doesn't, you don't manage to isolate it. So I wanted to 
couple the knowledge of the organism with the knowledge of the media, how that works. So you can use maybe a media that's not intended for this organism. You can use it for that. You know, little things that I have seen over the years and as also as knowing what the components are. I think COVID also was a big, it helped, it helped me out figure out some things because, you know, we had such a lack of supplies that sometimes you had to get a little creative and find out, okay, how can I get this to grow with what I have? And it made me, oh, sure. yeah, so it made me learn more. So that was, that was the main component of it. But then one day I was actually sitting in the lab and then we were talking about staff warriors and, and they were talking about that it's part of a complex and someone said, Hey, you know, you have a podcast, maybe you should talk about that. So I started doing, started thinking, okay, maybe I can also incorporate you know, this stuff that maybe techs that are actively on the job, they don't might be unaware of. So I started doing research, looking at journals, and I find out an article. I contacted the authors and then they responded and then they said, yes. I'm like, oh, okay. So, and then I found out I enjoy this, you know, so I went prior to this, me, let's say, talking to a microbiologist all the way from Minnesota, you know, it wouldn't have happened. So. I do enjoy this component also because it's just, I'm connecting, I'm learning from other microbiologists outside my, my work area. So, so that's why I do both formats. And I think I like about each of them with the organisms and with what I'm teaching. I like the fact that I have to sit down, you know, grab my textbooks. So it's like me studying over again, making sure I relearn things. Because it is one thing that you know about an organism, but putting the information out there in an accurate and responsible way, I have to make sure that I go to the right resources. So I love doing that, just sitting down and, you know, with my textbooks open, researching, writing the episode. And then, like I said, you know, with the interviews, it's just the fact that I get to talk to so many wonderful people that are so knowledgeable. And in their way, you know, they're also doing what I'm doing, you know, they're trying to make the profession better. They're trying to promote awareness to the medical laboratory sciences field. They're trying to put information about microbiology that can make us, you know, do a better work. Yeah. I, I love what you said about reaching out to, you know, reading a journal article and then reaching out to the author. I, I do that also. And I think I, I've gotten a lot of great guests that way, but I think that's also something that you know, somebody without a podcast should do also, because it's a great way to connect with other people in your field. I mean, I mean, it's, it's networking, right? That's, that's a great way to learn more. And like you said, from people in other places, other parts of this country, other parts of other countries, maybe. And it, it, that kind of stuff can lead to opportunities in the future, which I know has, has happened to me. Yes, you know, definitely. I, I, I agree. And it will be good. But, uh, you know, when sometimes, you know, you, we get so involved with our work that, that it's just we maybe not don't go out of our way to contact an author and talk about an article. You know, some people do, yes, but a lot of people else in the field, you know, we're just get through our work. You know, we're so busy with life, which is one of the reasons of the podcast. Not everyone, you know, a lot of professionals in our field, you know, they're, you know, they're parents, you know, and they're busy with, you know, you get to your work. And then once work is over, it's time to, you know, pick up your children, homework, you know, the, the works, you know, activities. So no one, not everyone has the time to sit down and pour through journals and, 
find out information about this field. But guess, guess what? If you put it on a podcast, you know, you're driving 20 minutes because you cannot make it too long either because, you know, sometimes, you know, the attention span, it's not there. So you put it 20, 25 minutes, you know, you're working out, you're doing some sort of activity. So you listen to it and you get that information without having to disrupt your routine. And you can also replay it as many times as you want. So that's one of the things that I found appealing about this format that I can put my information out there and yet in a, it can be in a convenient way for people to listen to. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense. That that's definitely a good resource. So when it comes to these episodes where you're, you're teaching about an, a concept or a particular microbe, I, I know you said earlier that you have to, you know, make sure you find the right resources and do a little bit of research about what you're going to to, to talk about, but how much time would you say that you spend uh, pre prepping for those episodes? Well, the ones that are with teaching, depending on what the subject is, I can probably spend, it can take me maybe two to three hours to go through the books and start putting the ideas together. So, and then the, then you add the recording to that, which depending on sometimes, you know, you have some of those days where you just start talking and then you get lost in your train of thought and you're like, oh, this doesn't sound good. So you have to go back and, and record it. So maybe a 20 minute episode could maybe take you an hour and then, and then, you know, the editing, that's, that's the hardest part with the teaching episodes, you know, because you just, mm -hmm. well, and the talking too, because you're sitting there talking to yourself, you know, talking out the microphone for 20, 25 minutes and then editing. So the whole process put together, you know, you can do it in less than a day. I mean, but I do spread it out because I'm, I'm doing many other things at the same time, you know, like I said, working, teaching. So I'm like, okay, today I'm just going to write the episodes and then maybe, you know, this day I'm off. So I'm going to record. And then typically when I record after I do it, I just go ahead and edit. So if you do it all together, it could be one day, but I spread out over several days. As far as the interviews, once I find the interview, I'm always trying to search for those journals or, or you know, via Twitter or social media. If I see someone publish an article, it just, you know, takes the time to, for me to read the article and find, you know, okay, this is a good fit for the podcast. So once the, the person has agreed to it and then it's just in you know, a matter of scheduling the interview. So that whole process, sometimes depending on availability, it can take, you know, two or three weeks. Because, you know, maybe the, your guests might only have one day open, you know, three weeks down the road. So, and then that's just the way it is. I love about the interviews that they're so much easier for the editing. Because, you know, just they're doing, you know, they're talking. And then, you know, you you ask questions. They the guests, they do most of the talking. And then it's just very linear. You're just editing. Then you do a short intro. Maybe you're closing and, and that's it. So even though, you know, maybe the process of the interviews might take a little bit longer, I find I enjoy it more. You know, I am connecting with a person, I'm talking to them. And then the editing is so much easier. I'm curious about the, the teaching episodes. Did you, like how far in advance do you figure out what these topics are going to be? And are they in some kind of particular order or do they just, as you come up with something and you say, okay, that sounds interesting. I want to talk about that. Well, with the teaching episodes, I try to stay very 
very linear in a way that basically the same way that you will learn them while you, while you are going through an actual medical laboratory sciences program. So you kind of start with your most, you know, quote, I said, you know, your base, easier organisms and because, you know, they're a little bit easier to learn and the morphology, so with you, your cocci, and then you move down that order. And then you end up with your gram-negative rods. You know, there's more organisms, there's more testing. So I try to follow that pattern. Um, sometimes if, let's say that if I'm, if I'm bringing a guess about an article, I might do an episode out of order just to talk about that organism. That way it builds up and then the, you know, the listener, they're like, okay, I know about this organism. And then they listen to the episode of the interview and then they're like, okay, so they might understand it better. So that's basically the, the way I do it. I mean, once I, and then if I start talking about an organism, then that becomes a series of episodes where I go about, maybe do one episode about testing, maybe one about media. So one organism maybe can take two or three, two or three episodes overall. All right. So here, here's a bit of a uh, lighter question. Do you have a favorite organism and why? Yeah, that's a great question. And actually, I did an episode about it on my podcast. And my favorite organism is Pastorella. And the why is because I think it just it's it represents the fact that we have to stay that micro is not, you know, there's there's gray in micro. There's not black and white. It's not like you run a sample, you get a result. The sample is not good. Recollect. Um, with this, you need more judgment, more, you know, you need to be, you know, know about the organism, about the media. And I think Pastorella is one that sometimes, you know, maybe a technologist, they can get lost in the fact that, you know, you learn about media and then you're like, okay, so let's say McConkie is for gram negative rods. So if it doesn't grow McConkie, that means that it is not a gram negative rod. Well, guess, guess what? Pastorella is gram negative and it does not like, it does not grow on Mac. So you can get, if you, you know, with that kind of thinking about, you know, it doesn't grow on Mac, so it's not a gram negative rod. You can make a mistake with that because guess what? You can put that organism on an instrument and I'm not talking about Maldi, Maldi tough, that's something else, but you put it on an instrument and it might give you an ID, but it's the erroneous one. And I have seen that happen on training, on competencies where someone reports, okay, I have this organism. It's like, wait, this is not a gram positive cocci, but because they didn't take the time to you know, do a gram stain and they assume because it was not growing on, on McConkie, they proceeded down the wrong road. So it makes you think about, you have to make sure that knowing your media, knowing your organisms, Plus, you know, pastorella was one that was not really covered in school because of time constraints. You know, you you stick to your basic organisms. So it's one of those I also talk about in the episode that you either learn when you're doing some biochemicals, you know, with your classic gram-negative rods, like, you know, your E. coli, you know, they're always oxidase negative. And so either typically most organisms are indole positive or negative and oxidase positive or negative. But pastorella can be both. So it just, I don't know, just, I find it fascinating how it just, it makes you think more and it keeps you that, you know, sharp that you have to be aware about how varied micro is. 
So I don't know, that's why I love about it. And also the fact that, you know, it's just, right, you know, it is normal flora and, and some animals. And then when it gets to humans, it's pathogenic. So I'll say that's what I like about it. Okay. Yeah, I can understand that. Like you have to, you, you still have to be thinking when you're, when you're working with that. You know, that's kind of, it's more skill than, than uh, maybe art sometimes, like, like some other things could be. Yes, definitely. You know, one of them, you know, we have some great tools at our disposal, you know, what, like mm -hmm. gram stains and, but, you know, it's just as we get more automated and sometimes, you know, that's a tool that, you know, text might not like to use, but it's very helpful. So we do have to stay, you know, keep in mind that even though you get your, your classic organisms with your classic patterns, you know, one thing that we like to say, you know, it's just that these organisms, they don't, they don't go to school, so they don't read the textbooks. So they might show one morphology <laughs> on a picture, right? But then mm -hmm. you might have something completely different growing. So it's just, you have to keep an open mind of how diverse microbiology is. And you're not going to get the same every time. Yeah, you know, you, do, you get your classic organisms, but sometimes, you know, you get thrown with something completely different or a classic organism with a completely different morphology. So we have to be aware of, of these things as we, you know, do our work. And that's where, you know, having your resources, making sure where they are in the lab, you can, you know, build that, that confidence and have that knowledge, which at the end, you know, you, you know, makes you do a better job. You provide an accurate result, and that's what we do this for in our our patients. And in clinical micro, it's just you know it's about our patients making sure that the proper organism is identified, so they can get the proper treatment. Yeah, I love it. What you said for probably the last uh, maybe maybe minute, two minutes that those are great lessons for 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 all of us really. I'm going to include a link to Let's Talk Micro in the show notes for this episode. Uh, so last question is, what are kind of the future plans for Let's Talk Micro? Well, I would like if, if eventually Let's Talk Micro gets, you know, gets used as a, as a resource for medical laboratory science students. That's one of the main, main goals. So in the programs, and I have reached out to directors and some have said, you know, once they listen to it, they're like, okay, yeah, I'll share it with my students. But as the, you know, I did that extensively while I was getting the podcast started. So maybe things by now have changed a little bit because, you know, it's kind of hard. You recommend something to someone and you only have like three or four episodes. You're like, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So now, you know, I've been a year in. Um, I have 54 episodes. So now I have more, more material. So I will, you know, like for if you're a program director, you know, just check it out and then recommended to the students as a as a supplement you know they can have their lectures in school their information because i had students that they talked to me and say hey you know i listened to your podcast it helped me it helped me clarify some things or it helped me get through this particular organism or this particular test so one that's one of the main goals i mean i will maybe like in the in the future if i can get i don't know maybe some you know, maybe as a sponsor of some sort where I can attend maybe more conferences so I can continue connecting with more people and have access to more guests so I can bring more content to the podcast. 
Yeah, I like it. I think it definitely I've listened to a lot of the episodes and this would definitely be a good supplement to a to a, a program for sure, for sure. All right. So, Luis, this has been really interesting to get to uh, learn more about you to talk about. Let's talk micro and kind of our sort of experiences, both of our experiences with with being podcasters. So th- this has been great. I, I appreciate your time. Luis Plaza, thank you very much. Hey, thank you for having me. And if you like, you know, like you said, you're going to put the link to the podcast on your notes. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm also I like to put content on I'm on, on Twitter as Let's Talk Micro One and on Instagram as Let's Talk Micro No Apostrophe. So there is pretty much, you know, I put the link to the episodes and I also I like to post pictures of organisms. So if you want to mm-hmm. see sometimes, you know, I put unusual morphologies and I ask the audience, what do you think this is? And then, you know, people try their guesses. And so if, you know, if you want, just, you know, go ahead and check it out for the audience out there. Okay. All right. I'll include those two. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Great. Big thanks to Luis Plaza. Here's a trailer from another episode that I think you'll enjoy. And then I'll be back with some final comments on this episode. I think you probably don't work in infection control if you're not a bit of an adrenaline junkie with like stuff kicking off and you having to make rapid decisions and you know pulling exceptionally long days because something immediately has happened but there's something really different when you don't ever go back to normal in between those times you know we lost i lost relatives because of covid i lost co-workers because of covid and when you're aware of what's coming and everybody else doesn't seem to quite get it. That's a really difficult place to be in. And we were just in a place where we were having to start to make really difficult clinical decisions where you don't have enough beds and you don't have enough ECMO beds to, you know, you're basically choosing who goes where and what that means for families and patients and, you know, whether people can come in and see people. You can hear more from Dr. Elaine Cloutman-Green and her work in infection control in episode 107. All right, so this was fun to speak with another podcaster. Of course, I always enjoy, you know, comparing stories and experiences like that. But the real big takeaway from this conversation was just the passion that Luis has for the field of microbiology. And this is especially important because he teaches microbiology you know, when you're a student and you've got a teacher who's excited about the material that they're presenting, it makes all of the difference sometimes. I'll have links in the show notes to everything that we talked about today, including a link to Let's Talk Micro and to Luis's social media accounts. Don't forget, you can follow this show on Twitter and Instagram at People of Path, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you for continuing to share the show with others. And together, let's inspire the next generation of pathologists and laboratory professionals. This show is a member of Health Podcast Network, which connects listeners with conversations and stories about health, care, and well-being. And you can find a link in the show notes to Health Podcast Network if you'd like to check out some of their other interesting podcasts. Thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the People of Pathology Podcast.